So we are getting ready to go on our break, but instead of not airing episodes, we are going to be re-releasing old episodes and accompanying them with bonus episodes of music only. And since it was about this time that Mr. Uncle Brent joined the show almost, almost to the day, since it was released anyway, and he was also the first episode ever of the show, I have fixed some of the sound issues because in the beginning, I wasn't so good at that. And um, I am re-releasing his episodes together. And so that's what this episode is. And then there will also be a music-only episode. We are going to do that every week for about eight weeks. And then we will be back with some of our old friends and hopefully some new friends and another rockin' year. Um, so we are just uh, going to... Re- Record episodes for intros all in one day. Yes. Yes. Living the dream. Before we get into it, uh, Brent is laughing. Brent, why, why are you laughing? So I've got another Mabel story. So we all love Mabel stories. So Mabel, Hazel, and I were watching America's Got Talent top 10 funny times while Julia was at her bunko party. And so the final one. It was like number one. And uh, is this 80-year-old man, and he comes out, and he wants to sing a song he wrote. And so he sits down. He's not a really good player, but he starts singing. And he starts singing about the love of his life, how she's beautiful, how she's fashionable, how she makes him feel great. And then he goes on the chorus, but she has a penis. And Mabel saw that and was like, how did he see her penis? Was it in the shower? <laughs> No, 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 no. Oh, no. How did you respond, Dad? I laughed uncontrollably. And I I think I said something like, well, it happens. (laughs) Did you change the subject right after? I know Mabel. She did not let you. She did not let it go. She she went on. I I told the short version. So for the rest of the night, she was trying to figure out. Oh, no. How this dude (laughs) saw her penis. (laughs) Oh, did she ask Julia? This is is another good part. So she didn't say anything to Julia because I was like, you need to not tell your mom about this. (laughs) So she (laughs) didn't tell her. And I did that for two reasons. One, so I could tell Julia. And two, so I could control how much trouble I got into. Mm-hmm. How'd so, that work out for you? So, well, just listen. I told Julia, and she goes, she started laughing. She goes, you always change the channel when they say the word penis. Come on. You're a father. You've been one before. When they say penis, you change the channel. I just laughed. That made me laugh even harder. <laughs> Was it in the shower? <laughs> She was concerned. <laughs> she was, oh, oh, I love Mabel so much. That kid cracks me up. She probably didn't hear a single word of that song, but penis. So funny. I just laughed so hard. But the rest no of the night, she was trying to figure out how this dude. Oh, you were like, I don't want to have penis. this sex talk. I don't want to have this. Oh, my God. No. Actually, you know, seriously, we did. We did. I actually did talk a little bit to her about it, and I basically said there are some men that dress up as women. And she's like, "Why?" And I go, "Because sometimes the, 
people feel like they were born in the wrong body. Good job, Dad. And that kind of, and I didn't freak out about her. I don't think she cared about that part. I think she just wanted to know how they saw each other naked. Yeah, I, but, but I, <laughs> but you still, that. that's the question for mom. That's how you bypassed it? Yeah, I just oh, said, well, some, please. It's like some, some females have penises. Well, good and job. Just kind of left it at that. But my first response was, eh, it happens. <laughs> Which doesn't tell her anything. No, it just made her more curious. She's like, what happens? But I had to laugh so hard. Oh, my God. That was the best way to start this episode. Thank you. Well, so we are, I, I edited part one and part two together. And I edited the sound, which really didn't take that long. I should have done it, you know, three years ago. I didn't know how. I didn't know how. But I think this is a great way for some of our new listeners to hear about you and me kind of in a new way before the show really got off its feet. So what did you think of my very poor and somewhat intoxicated interview skills? <laughs> no, I was I was excited to speak with you because it was so shitty. I'm sorry. I knew that you were you were starting this up and from your past experience experience of uh doing podcasts, I knew you'd be good and I wanted you to be successful and I figured a good way for me to help you be successful is to not only listen to you but be on your show and download Mm, and like, subscribe, and all the other things. So you were you were not only my first guest on the show, you're my last guest on the last. And um, I don't know. I think you felt sorry for me, and that was probably the only reason you interviewed me. Because the first thing you said is, "I'm sorry about the last interview." <laughs> <laughs> There's so much going on, but it's okay. It's okay. You live and learn. And I definitely wanted to get your music out there. I felt like that was the right thing to do. And I think you were the first interview, the first fan. It was cool. And hey, quick shout out before we launch into this episode. Uh, when I did that, I had a friend you didn't know who was sitting across from me who was like, it's okay. You can do this by yourself. And I was like, sweet, don't leave. And so that poor dude just kept, like, sitting there with nothing to do, just, like, fucking playing on. So shout out to James. Not the James that's been on the show, uh, actual friend of mine. He'll hear it. Not Sir James. Not Sir James. Just a friend of mine named James, uh, who is probably the second fan. So thank you for, for putting up with me and keeping my wine glass full. Sorry, You know Brent. what? You know what? If he were in, If he was in the room with you, he was probably the first fan. <laughs> he, was, he was actually, yo, James. Oh, that's oh, funny. It was. It was. Don't really, leave me. I was like, please don't go anywhere. Don't go. My name is Uncle Brent, and I'm in a band called Uncle Brent and the No Stone. We are a Americana rock band out of the Austin area, and we would just play rock and have a good time. Well, why did you start playing music? I started playing music when I was, uh, well, playing and actually songwriting. I actually started writing songs first. So I was a little kid, and I grew up in Bandera, Texas. K 
cowboy capital of the world, y'all. Yeehaw. <laughs> and, um, so we kind of lived in town and it, you know, it only had like three blocks, so it wasn't a large town, but so mm. in the mornings I hated going to school. And so I would walk to the school. And as I was walking to the school during my second year of first grade, I would, um, I was like, drunk. I would be singing to the birds and, you know, a walk that should take me 10 minutes probably took me 30 to 45 because I was so excited to start the day off with the class. <laughs> that was as a six-year-old. So, you know, it was only going to go uh, uphill from there. But so that's kind of when I, my first thing in music, but my parents went to church a lot. So I played, uh, I sang, you know, like probably every person in the u.s does in mm -hmm. the church and stuff but you know and then i went into junior high and i started playing tuba playing in the band but playing tuba in the band just didn't really fill that void in my life you mm -hmm. know so then i started playing guitar and playing bass and so that's kind of how it started but i didn't really start picking up guitar until i was in a my teens and I didn't actually really try to learn it till I was a adult. So. Okay. So kind of a later start with the guitar, but it, did it, did it feel like you were kind of finding a piece of yourself when you, when you really did pick it? Um, no, I, I think, I think I've always had like a deep connection to music and I'm kind of a, I've been told I'm kind of weird especially, you know, by family, because, you know, they all think someone that's different is weird, but right. I just, I've always had a deep connection to music. And so as a kid, we lived out in the country, so there wasn't anything to do, but work and do more work. Mm -hmm. So when I, you know, I would hide away in my room and, you know, or play my records or read over lyrics, trying to figure out how they wrote stuff, you know, yeah that stuff and, but but when i started playing i was actually able to start communicating differently and processing my life if that makes any sense no that makes total sense it and so so i would and even now i'll write a song and i'm i'm kind of intentional when i do most things except for when i write okay but when i write i just try to channel whatever that force is that you channel into to, to create. It, sometimes it's your pain. Sometimes it's your anger. Seldom times it's my joy. Um, yeah. normally, normally when I write, I write out of anger or, uh, or, uh, sadness. Those are kind of when I'm at my best and a lot. So, kind of tapping into those things and I just let those flow. And then later on I figure out, Oh, that was about this. <laughs> you were very unhappy right there. It's like having an audible journal, an audio it, journal. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy when you've written, when you've written long enough, you kind of have a little story of maybe not in words, what you're going through, but if you write music, you have a musical soundtrack. You know, because I, I co-write songs, too. And when I co-write, I kind of do most of the music mm -hmm. rather than all the lyrics. Um, 
and and so you kind of figure out where I'm at right when, when I start writing music and stuff. Okay. You know, in the life, so you can line up all my songs and go, oh, he sucked then, but he was kind of happy, or oh, <laughs> he was he was brokenhearted, or you know, boy, this marriage was not going good for him. No, this was not working. <laughs> so that's that's a lot of a lot of what I do. It's pretty therapeutic, you know, but it's not purposeful. I don't I don't write to actually figure out what was wrong with me. I mean, if I was capable of figuring that out, I would have probably uh, wrote a book and be helping people. But don't you think you're helping people in a way? Because like when you're going through things like that and you're writing and you're sharing, even though it's not to make them feel better, it's just kind of your outlet. People are going to pick up on that and they might relate to it and might, you know, does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because um, I'm, I'm so hungover. I'm not even going to lie to you. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, I think our live stuff when we play a live show is more for mm -hmm. other people. Um, our goal when we play a live show is more like, hey, your life is tough. Your life is hard. And if you're regular, kind of like we are, mm -hmm. you know, come on out. We're going to play a few songs. You leave your bags at the door. You come in, have a few drinks. We'll laugh. I'll probably talk to you and make you uncomfortable. And if you're uncomfortable, that's where I want you. Because the whole idea is to kind of have a sense of community and that you're, you're not alone. And not be so damn serious and hard all the time. Exactly. I definitely got that from that little live, that live track you sent. I was like, they're having fun. They're having actual fun. Is that the way the Austin area is like more loose musically or is it kind of more of a little, little tight knit communities? I think it depends on how actively you are able to engage. So, okay. so I have a wife, four kids, a daytime job, and then I have a band and then I play solo. Wow. And, and so I have a lot going on. So I'm not as actively able to engage as other people. But when I do find bands I like in the area, mm -hmm. I like to go see them and I like to support them. And I've also been told I'm weird for that, too, just because I will wear like like there are two bands here I just really like in mm -hmm. I think some of it is because they're, they're similar to – they don't sound like us, but their approach to, to – they're just really sarcastic. And, right. And, it's, and one is like way more sarcastic than the other. And so I, I, I will wear their shirts to my shows and their gear to my shows, and I'll do videos in their gear, and my wife's like – you should be wearing your own stuff. And I was like, yeah, but I want other people to hear these guys. At this point, if I was going to be a star, I would already be a star, you know? And so, you know, the few people that do come to our shows and listen, I want them to know about these guys because these guys are younger. They have a bunch of cool stuff going on and I want to see them succeed. Right. You know, I mean, not that I don't like, not that I'm like wanting to fail, you know, I just, I want to see people that I listen to and respect their songs. I want to see them succeed. As far as the, 
the group here, you kind of, for me, I kind of find people that I like mm-hmm. and then I insert myself in their lives, whether they like it or not. <laughs> You're like, I am here to annoy you. And you know, that can go two ways. Cause some people, cause I, I get really excited just about music and people that have similar ideas or I hear something that they do. And so I get really excited. So I'm kind of an excited fan and I'm not, I'm not, I'm either all or nothing. There is no in between. It's if I like you, I like you. If I don't, I don't, you know, initially we used to just be called, our band used to be called just the no stone. Mm -hmm. And so it was weird to come out and see me when I was doing a solo show and call it the no stone because I've pretty much, you know, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do all the work or I'm going to do something solo, I need to do something so I don't have to maintain 50,000 different separated media, social media sites, websites and stuff. And so I just started calling us Uncle Brent and no stone. So Uncle Brent is, you know, I enjoy being an uncle more than I enjoy being a father sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, it's just so much. Sometimes it's way more rewarding to be an uncle to be like, all right, let's do this. Oh, we're done. <laughs> but let's talk about the songs that you, that you said. Forget you really felt like reminiscent to me of like the Jitten Blossoms era. Tell us what that's about. Because it seemed a little angry, too, a little angrier than the other ones. <laughs> I, was, I was really there. There are a few songs where I was really angry, and that was one of them. And that one had to do with I was in this poor relationship with this incredibly horrible person that we will not name because of legal reasons. So so I lived with this person and we had kids together and stuff. Some people call that a marriage, but I call that a nightmare. And um, (laughs) I don't like it when people tell you what to do, but I I really hate it when people go, oh, you can't do that. And they imply that it's because you're stupid, you're an idiot, you suck. And it's like a double put down without just coming out and saying that. Right. And so that song is all about that. And to me, it's talking about – three specific people that have experienced things. And the first one is about a person that has disabilities and he's just trying to make it through what he's doing. And it's about him and his struggle to his parents and all these people telling him he can't do anything. And so he's like, Oh yeah, well, fuck you. I'm going to go do something. And he goes to the Olympics. Awesome. And then the second one is about, kind of about body image and how people put other people down and tell them, Oh, you can't, you can't, you're not attractive. You can't be attractive. You're ugly. And your parents dress you funny, things like that. <laughs> but th- that one's about, you know, that second verse is about that. And uh, then the third, the third, the third one, a lot of people think is uh political and it's, eh, I don't really mean it that way, but it has to do with, you know, some people said I was dumb. I was much too dumb to be the president. Mm-hmm. And that more goes with whenever people tell other people they can't do something because they're not smart. And mm-hmm. and they may not be, but you don't need to be telling them that. Let them figure that out on their own if they're not right. smart. 
you know, but unfortunately what I figured out is the least smart people tend to never notice they're not smart. And then the course is just don't, I'm just trying to say, don't let anyone tell you what to do. You know, you do what you need to do to be happy and, you know, barring injuring anyone emotionally, physically, you know, do what you need to do to be happy and don't let anyone, if you like doing something and you need to do something, you do that. And, and so that's kind of what uh, FU is about or forget you is about. But yes, I was angry when I wrote that. 
I could I could hear the angry because it was way different. The tone was d- different in that one compared to bullets and her pain. And by the way, her pain, I need you to get out of my life a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> because that hit a little close to home. What, why don't you tell everybody what that one's about? Um, her pain is kind of an observation for me and me trying to, I think, I think women have a really hard time. Not that, you know, I have an easy time, but I think men and women have different challenges as far as being parents. Hardships are different. And especially as women, you know, for the last few years, women have been, y'all are in a transition. You know, men have, men have been in charge for a while and we're letting go of that responsibility as, as we're realizing, you know, we're not the smartest gender in the world. <laughs> we may be the hairiest, but we're not the smartest. Right. And, and so I think y'all's arc in development as a gender, it, you're still growing. You know, you had the women's rights movement and even now, Y'all are still having to fight about your bodies. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. And it shouldn't be that way in 2020. Like, yeah, it's crazy. But um, y'all are still working with that. So that's about, you know, me and my wife used to drive to work together. And we both work full-time jobs. And, you know, and and I have a band on the side, you know, so I'm not always there. So it's kind of hard for her. Yeah. Because I have to be gone because if I don't do music, everyone's going to be miserable. Right. So I have to be gone, which puts a strain on her, you know, so she's working, she uh, cooks, she has all these things she has to do. And all she ever really wanted to do was have a family, have kids and raise her kids. Right. That song is about her having to give that up to go to work so we can survive. And so she's given up and that's the only thing you have of, any real worth in this life is the time you have here. And yeah. if you think about it, when we work, we are basically giving up our useful time on this planet. You know, we're working and putting off things we love to do or like to do, or at least that's what it is with me because I do not live for work. And and so that song kind of, kind of about women. So I kind of just, I really had to, I started trying to put myself in her shoes, you know, what she had to do. I put on the dress and the wig and, the bra, <laughs> you know, to, to and listen to her and try to figure out, you know, what she was saying. And then I ended up writing it in the third person, but I really had to put myself in her place, you know, and, and in some ways it was kind of easy because, you know, in the song you're talking about, she loves her family, but she hates this job and she's going to a job she hates. Well, I can relate to that. And I right. most most men and women can all relate to that because you know, we work for the weekend. Yeah. Did that song give you a new way, a new sort of appreciation for what what she goes does for you guys? Um, that song was never supposed to be recorded cuz it was so personal. Mhm. You know, and I don't I don't even think I played it for my wife cuz I was afraid of her reaction. Um, and, and she's cool, but it was, uh, it was personal. It was, it was really personal. So I wasn't planning on even recording it, 
But I think to write that song, I had to go, you know, I said, I put on the dress, I put on the wig, put on the bra, you know, not physically. Well, maybe when I was younger, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> I was just mom's shoes. It's fine. But I, I mean, it does, it does give you a taste. So when I, when I'm uh, kind of pissed off about stuff and things aren't going well and, and so I have to go back and I have to think about that stuff. Well, you know, she has the same shit going on in her life yeah. that we're going through right now. But that song was never supposed to be recorded. It was an accident. Oh, how how is it an accident that it got recorded? I'm confused. Well, okay, it wasn't. An Did accident. somebody sneak it? <laughs> well, see, I I had a producer on this last album, AJ Vallejo. I was working with him in we gotten four songs done and I was like, dude, I'm done. He's like, what are you talking about? He goes, that's not an EP. He goes, you need five, six songs. And I was like, no, really, I'm done. He goes, no, no, you're not. And I was like, okay, well, what do you want me to do? He goes, go pick out your five best songs or songs that you think are good and I'll pick one. And so I picked out four, which I actually thought he was going to pick. And one of them I really love, and I was hoping he would go with that one. But And I said, all right, I'll just throw this one in here because he's not going to want to listen to it. He's not going to pick that. And that was the one he picked.
upstairs No, she loves her kids and family Did your wife ever listen to it? He's heard it. Okay. She 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 liked it. It it make I it really makes me uncomfortable for her to l- listen to that song for some reason. I don't. It makes me uncomfortable. I was gonna say it doesn't make her. It makes you uncomfortable. I wonder why. Uh, I think because I can't make it better. Ah. Uh, I mean, I I, I do. Acknowledging it makes it. Acknowledging it for her has to mean something. I, I think it did, but she's heard it so many times now. She's over it. And she's like, whatever. That's that's not getting you any. <laughs> <laughs> that trash still needs to go out. Like some songs are just awkward to re-listen to. And then there are a few other songs that, you know, there was one other song that on our last EP that I I recorded, but I felt like I had to record it. It wasn't. It was one of the harder songs to write, probably one of the hardest. But anyway, that was a that one is called uh, Sarah's Creek. It's, mm. That one's a hard one, too. But that one's not on this either. So I apologize for mentioning it. <laughs> so the last one that you sent me is my favorite is Bullets. And I know you said you co that was a co-writing thing, wasn't it? And so that was an interesting one. So uh, typically my co-writes have always been, you know, in a band setting mm-hmm. or, you know, and this guy is up in, up in the New York area. And, and he, I was looking for some songwriters that year, some people to throw ideas around and see what happened, not actually knowing if I could do a long distance songwriting relationship. And so he reached out to me and he goes, Hey, I've heard the stuff you're doing and uh, I want to write with you. And he goes, I have this idea. And so he sent me the music to the verse mm-hmm. and we started working on that. And, uh, and it's kind of a weird song because it has a, <laughs> an REM Metallica accept feel to it. Cause like the verse to me is more of an REM kind of sound. Mm-hmm. And then the, the little walk up, that little bridge before you get to the chorus is a, has that balls to the wall, except kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't know if you're, that's like a really old song, but anyway, and then the the chorus has a Metallica feel. So that was a, that was a hard song to write and even harder to sing. I had to have an operation on one of my testicles to be able to hit some of those notes. (laughs) Uh, They're not actually that high for people with a range. That was an interesting song. A lot of people think of that as, you know, gun violence and things like Mm. that. Definitely the chorus sounds like it's more about gun violence, but the the actual meaning of the song is there are things you do and you say that you can never take back. And the, the song is about two people that do and say things that have had 
great damage on their family and friends and, and separated them from the people they love because they've done some pretty horrible things. All the instrumental parts yeah. in there are really good. And I didn't do, the only thing I did was the acoustic guitar. The, it's really, it's a nice recording. It is. But, it's a good song. I really like it. Thank you, ma'am. But um, but I do like writing a lot, and I love arranging. I love working with people, and uh, there's something really cool about working with someone, and you um, you're working like bullets. That one was really hard to write, and then on top of it, it was really hard to sing. Mm. Um, but um, like James Hetfield would have killed it, no problem. But, right. But um. But for me, it was really hard. So I was working with him and it took us a, like a month to really hammer out what the music sounded like and what it was about. And, and once we finally got it, we had it written like in one day, you know, exchanging emails and texts and stuff like that. Right. But it, it was a long pre, pre-writing time period trying to lock into what we were and so we kind of had to get to know each other too ron's a, a fun guy you know and he was at that point in time i don't want to give up too much of his stuff but he had some stuff going on in his life and he had some things falling apart that he did not want to fall apart and he kind of felt abandoned and so me and him we kind of bond over that because because we both experienced that stuff in life and it's it's not hard for me to immediately go there for some reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where that that song came from. Yeah, I was I was hoping someone would pick it up, but you know how that is. Sometimes. You never know. You never know. Mm-hmm. You know, as a musician and player, you you sometimes I'm and I'm glad I'm not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get frustrated that you can't get any traction sometimes. Yeah. You just, you know, you're playing, you're playing, you're trying to do a good job and you just can't do it. And I've kind of, I'm kind of through that stuff at this point. I'm just really happy to be writing and playing now, you know, as far as my own personal stuff, I'm always working on that and I always want that to be as good as it can be. Cause like right now, you know, I see holes in my songwriting stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think my lyrics are as good as they should be. And so I'm really examining I'm going back to all my old songs that, are, that I'm going to record for the next thing. And I'm like, okay, how can I make these lyrics better and still convey the same information? And so, so, and that sucks because I hate doing that. I don't mind working on music over and over. But is it the lyrics that, that get you? Yeah. I get hung up on the lyrics sometimes. If I'm truly upset, like either angry or sad, lyrics come out with no problem they're detailed they're but you know i want to be able to write and not be a basket case you know (laughs) (laughs) is that possible uh i don't know Him weak. 
added a new drummer and I moved my old drummer to percussion and uh, we've got a we've got a n- new uh, bass player too so uh-huh. it's interesting getting used to them and how they play because if something cool happens when we're playing it doesn't matter if it, where it happens I start laughing because I get excited <laughs> so then you look like the crazy one <laughs> yeah so I'll be sitting there and I'll be trying to sing a song and CJ's a drummer and he'll like do something that I was like, Oh, that sounded so good. And so I'll start laughing <laughs> or, the, or the guitarist does something. Ray, Ray does something really crazy. Cause those two guys are really good musicians. I mean, not that the other guys aren't, but those guys are like crazy, insane, not of this earth. Good. Yeah. So it's, but I just start laughing. I think one time I just ended up, I had to stop the song because I was laughing so hard because he was playing all this crazy yeah. rhythms and stuff. Yeah. So who's all in the band now? Um, there's me and mm-hmm. I'll do the, uh, I'll do the vocals and the acoustic guitar. And then we have Ray Keynes and he's mm-hmm. our guitarist. And he's, uh, he is, that dude is a freaking rock star. He's funny though. He wears this wife's skinny jeans. <laughs> so we have a running joke. He's like, I just want to feel younger. <laughs> That's not helpful. Like, Tight jeans are not helping you feel younger. They may help with your vocal range, but but um but yeah, he's just he's just a rock star. I mean he when we have people record us or take pictures. Like 95% of the pictures are of him because he's just so – He, I keep telling him, dude, you need to go and be a solo guy too. And he's like, eh, that's too much work. Yeah, at least he's honest. <laughs> um, and then we have a, a guy named John on the bass, and John's uh, kind of an introspective individual. He's twisted though. He – uh. He doesn't always say something funny, but when he does, I laugh uncontrollably. And uh, he's, he's good, though. He's solid, has good theory, and helps me explain the stuff in my head to the other guys. And so he's kind of my conduit to the other guys because I get all wrapped up in what's going on in my head, and I'm trying to explain it and still hear it at the same time. Yeah. And so he'll be like, so are you saying blah, 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 blah? And I was like, yeah, or – no, or uh, and then on the then on the percussion we have Emilio, and Emilio's been with me since about 2007, and I've always wanted a band that was almost had a Latin feel to it, yeah. almost a Santana feel. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know my favorite band is the Refreshments, and I don't know if you've heard of them. They were out of the Tempe area. I came up a little bit after the Gin Blossoms did. They have a song. They're probably their biggest song was. Um, Banditos. The main course on that song is everybody knows the world is full of stupid people. Meet me up in the midnight. We'll divvy up there. <laughs> so, yeah. so and they kind of have a Latin feel to them. And so I think I have it now. And then we have CJ on drums and he's just a monster. He's just, he's, he's constantly talking. He will be trying to try, trying to do something and he'll, he's always talking. 
He's talking to himself. He's talking to his drumsticks. He's he's he just talks, and then I'll say something, and he'll heckle me from behind. But he's he's funny. He's he's and he's like a ball of energy. It's crazy how much energy he has. He has more energy than everyone else in the band. Combined. Combined. Wow. So when are you thinking that the new stuff's going to be released? Is that something you're working on right now? Are you guys writing right now? Uh, I'm still working that out. Um, I'm getting quotes. I kind of want to do something different. I want to go with the same producer because he makes my vocals sound like I actually know what I'm doing. (laughs) That's always nice. (laughs) I want to record this praise and worship song that my grandpa always wanted me to do a Christian song. Mm Mm-hmm. So I've always had this praise and worship song that I wrote out of the Bible. And I was just like, well, it doesn't fit my thing. And the producer was like, man, just put your stuff down and record it. He goes, people don't like it. They just won't listen. He goes, right, they'll skip that track. Just, just do your thing. And so I've been, I have the, all the instrumental done. I just need to go in and do the lyrics. So I think I'm going to just do that one as a single in, cause it's kind of, I want to do it for my grandpa, you know, and just get that done. Um, he's been dead for a while, but he just always wanted me to do something that wasn't perverted, sarcastic. <laughs> he's like, can you do one for me? Just give me the one. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to do that. And then I have a bluegrass song that I'm trying to do. And it's, it's just all weird stuff now um, because I'm trying to, develop my catalog as a songwriter and I don't want all my shit to sound the same. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these songs, you know, these, these ones I want to use to develop my catalog, I can't put them on a uncle Brent and no stone album because we don't sing about God and Jesus at our shows. He's there. He's at the corner of the bar drinking a beer going, God, man, I should have given this guy more talent, but um, <laughs> I doubt that, you know, and then the bluegrass song is, something that's kind of cool that I always wanted to do. And then I want to do, I'm working on a heavy rocker. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm going to have to find another vocalist to do it though. Well, I want to do the metal core stuff or write a screamo kind of shit. Yes. But it hurts me when I do it. (laughs) Well, you have to do it a certain way or it can actually do real damage. Yeah, it was funny when I was recording one of the songs, I was I was trying to uh, explain what I wanted to do with it. And the, the guy, the engineer just said, just stop. He was like, just just do this. And it, it turned out fine. You know, the recording of the song, it hasn't had the edge it needed mm-hmm. because of that. And that that's the thing. It, if you're a songwriter. Sometimes what you hear in your head or you write down on paper, you you can't always get it out the way it needs to sound. And so it always feels kind of incomplete, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So so I struggle a lot with that. Um, So what advice would you give somebody who wants to songwrite specifically or play even? I think there are kind of three factors that lead to success you have to have skill you have to be skillful okay at what you're doing so that means you need to practice then when you're done practicing you practice and then when you're done with that you go ahead and practice some more <laughs> the yeah. other thing 
you have to be so well practiced that when the time comes to do it and you have the opportunity, it's timing. You need to be at the right place in the right time. And you don't have control over that. So that's why you need to refer to practice, practice, practice all the time. And then the final thing is luck. And this is what you really don't have <laughs> have control of. No. Um, and so that's, you know, so you try to practice, you try to be at the right place at the right time. And then you just need to find the right people or right person and search for that. And as far as songwriting, if it, just try. When I was younger, I pretty much betrayed myself because I was so afraid of failure and not being any good. And the funny part is, is it doesn't matter if, mm -hmm. you fail, if you're not good, if you love doing it, you know, you just be the worst you can be. Just, just do be the worst you can be. And don't worry about it. If, um, if you want to be good at something, you'll be good at something. You just have to put in the time and you'll be fine. But, you know, and find other people that are as passionate as you are. And that's kind of hard to find because everyone's normally at different places. I mean, that's why you see a bunch of garage bands that never make it out of the garage because they're not at the same level. Maybe maybe skill set or maybe just emotional maturity, you know, commitment. People get right. pregnant. Stuff happens. People get pregnant. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say, you know, just work hard, make good decisions, practice, practice, practice. I'm back. Thanks again, Brent, for your time. I appreciate you. Thank you for all that listened or streamed or downloaded or whatever the hell you do. If you like what you heard here, there are links to all of Uncle Brent and the No Stone in the description. Don't forget to like and follow Sound Pollution on all the listening the listening platforms or whatever and social media. Also check out the website, which is down in the description. And until next time, get out there and make some noise. <laughs>